Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, even though Mark just introduced me, my name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's great to see you all today. Yeah, we've been in a series called Created to Worship. And I didn't say this last service, but can we just look at this graphic? Isn't it beautiful? Like, it is amazing. Uh, he wouldn't want me to say this, but if you see John Fink soon, tell him he did amazing work. It's beautiful. Uh, if I was a person who got tattoos, <clears throat> um, you know, maybe. Anyway, uh, we have been in a series called Created to Worship, and that's a joke because I have one. But anyway, uh, we have been asking, whether it was uh, Mark or Jalise, did you come worshiping today? So, did you come worshiping today? And the reason we ask this is we believe worship is mind, body, and soul. It's deep to our very core, and it's all about Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. What, what has been happening up here and in our Sunday services has been an awakening of the Holy Spirit in this place. But without Jesus, it means nothing. See, when we're here, we worship Jesus, but Jesus is too big for just one place. He is outside of this place. And so when we ask you, did you worship today? It's not just today. It's throughout the entire week that we are asking this. Don't worry, it's Jesus. <laughs> worship can take place anywhere at any time because Jesus is beyond the walls of a church. He is beyond the walls of our heart. And so during this series, we have continued to ask that simple question right there. Did you come worshiping today? Because like I said, we believe worship is bigger than just a Sunday service. It's bigger than Creekside. But we also believe we are created to worship. So as Mark and Elise have asked this question to us. I'm a person who's like, cool, I have a question. I'm going to find an answer. So when I got this question, I kept thinking of areas I did it. And then I was like, eh, Nathan, let's figure out other people who have done this better. And I thought of two people, uh, two examples. They are not paying me to say this at all. But they're my in-laws. And first off, I want to say, this is not like a, oh, they are holier. I have other stories I can share. <laughs> but I won't, because I want to honor them, all right? And so let me tell you a story about my mother-in-law. From the moment, and I mean the moment she wakes up, she has grandbabies running all around the place. Her house that she has tried to create order in is utter chaos. She has two daughters that also still live at home, and they come down, and they're just like, Mom, let me tell you everything. And then she also makes breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I know because I've asked her to make me a sandwich before, because her sandwiches are better than any sandwich shop in the world. They're phenomenal. And to watch her when she's making this sandwich, one, it's like, oh. But two, there's like kids running between her legs, and then her daughters are talking to her, and she does it all with a big old smile. And then in the midst of all the chaos, she like runs into the office and she's like, okay, got to do paperwork for the family business. And it's nonstop every day. She does it and she does it with a big old smile. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was her at the end of the day, I'd be like, God, please remove these kids from my life. And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
but she does it with so much delight. And at the end of the day, all she does is say, thank you, God, for these kids. Thank you, God, for my life. She may be stretched thin, but at the end of the day and throughout the day, all she does is worship God. She gives thanks. That is worship. To completely abandon yourself, to serve and care for the people around you, that is worship. Now, let me tell you about my father-in-law. He wakes up super early in the morning and sits with his Bible But then he also does this. He sits and prays for every single person in his family about their travels, about their day, for God to protect them throughout their day. And then as soon as he's done with that, he packs up and he either goes to the mill or he goes to a job site. He's a contractor. And the beautiful thing about his employees He hires people because he wants to disciple them. He hires people that maybe other people wouldn't hire, but he would because he just wants to see them be devout men of God. And so as he's like building these beautiful houses or these beautiful decks, he's pouring into these guys daily, every moment. And in his jobs, he prays over his jobs And he thanks God for the willingness to allow him to partner with God to create beauty here on earth. That's worship. And then at the very end of the day, he comes home exhausted, grabs his Bible and sits and looks out at the sunset. And I've seen this happen before where like, where I'm like playing with the kids, right? And he's like, Nathan, come here. And I think there's an emergency. So obviously I throw Sam out of the way and I like run. Sam's my kid. I would never do that. But anyway, I run over and I'm like, oh, what's up? He's like, look at that sunset. Mm. Just got to thank God for that sunset. I'm like, yeah, it's great. Uh, But it's usually so beautiful. They live uh, up in the mountains overseeing a valley. Honestly, beautiful sunsets. But his daily life is worship. He delights in the beauty of creation around him. That's worship. He prays. He delights. He disciples. And he works in a way to seek to honor God in all he does. That is worship. Now, we hear stories like that, and we, we're like, yeah, we should clap for them. We should encourage them. We should be like, whoa, good job, good and faithful servant, woo. But then we sit with ourselves, and we're like, goodness gracious, that person's super holy. I am not like that. But like I said at the very beginning, I can tell you other stories, but I won't. <laughs> But the thing is, we continually do this where we think we're not holy enough. And guess what? It's kind of true. We're not holy. But with Jesus and his sacrifice, he washes us and he makes us holy. So what is it that is stopping us from worshiping the creator of the universe? Because guess what? Every moment of every single day, the reason we ask you this question is you have a chance to worship the God that created you and everything around you. And we are created to worship something. 
I pray that that's God. And let me tell you this. If there is something keeping you from worshiping the creator of the universe, it must die. And that sounds extreme. I'm sorry. But we must learn to sacrifice the things in our lives that keep us from every day, every moment worship to God. Because the only way we can learn to spiritual worship if we are willing to act as living sacrifices. And so today, we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture that teaches us and kind of just leads us in how to do spiritual worship. We're going to be looking at Romans 12.1 because it shows us why we should present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. But before we turn there, let's pray. One, because I can't even describe what God did in first service. And two, I just hope he uses this message for us today. So God, I want to thank you because I'm in awe of you and all that you have done today and throughout our weeks to bring us here to this moment. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I pray that we will learn how to present ourselves as living sacrifices for you, not because of us, but for you. And so God, speak through these words. I pray that they be your words, not my words. In Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And some of us, including me, really need to hear this verse again. And so what I want everyone to do in here right now is close your eyes. Open up your heart. Open up your mind. Open up your body to what God is saying in this verse to you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Go ahead and open your eyes. Paul right here is calling us out in community. He says, brothers and sisters, Paul is our spiritual brother. We are his brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul is like, hey, you need to get this. You need to listen. And another thing he does is he puts therefore in there. And anytime the Bible says therefore, it is important because it looks at what is before it, but then it also sets up what's coming after it. And so anytime we see something that says just therefore, we need to know what came before. And then we know that it sets up what is to come. 
So if we look back at the rest of Romans 1 through 11, we actually see the themes of this very verse that we are looking at woven throughout it. In fact, Mark brought up Romans 1 last week, and we see how in Romans 1, there is corruption of worship when our minds and bodies are not devoted to God. Then, if you fast forward Romans 6, we see that us as Christians need to die to our sin so we can find life in God. And then here in Romans 12.1, we see the path forward. We see why these things are written in the other books. And in everything I read this week, this theme kept coming up for the title of Romans 1 through 11. And that theme was the mercy of God in action. That is what sets up this verse. The mercy of God in action. And I believe that's why the very next section of this verse says, by the mercies of God. And see, this part... Paul's a genius when he writes. This part is before we are asked to present ourselves as living sacrifices. And it's put before because we have to understand why we should present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Because it's not about us, it's about who God is and he is merciful. See, when we worship, we submit ourselves to him because of who he is. Not because of who we are. It's not about us. It's about who God is. And whenever any biblical author talks about the mercies of God, the faithfulness of God, the love of God, his forgiveness, I always think back to the Old Testament passage, or not Deuteronomy, Exodus 34, 6 through 7. And if you don't know the significance of this verse, I challenge you, memorize it. Because this is a place in the Bible where God himself comes down to Moses and says, this is who I am. Exodus 34, 6 through 7 says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin, but, will, but, <clears throat> sorry, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now, I know this verse may challenge us, especially the last couple of words, and I'm not going to focus on them. But if you do want to know about the theology and the context and everything like that of this verse, you can talk to me after service, or you can go on our website. We have a discipleship page that actually details this verse almost word by word, verse by verse. And so I would challenge you to do that, to begin to understand why this verse says what it says. When we meet a God that has these characteristics it is impossible not to worship. When we meet a God who is merciful, who is gracious, who is slow to anger, who is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, it is impossible not to worship. When we meet a God who is forgiving inequity of transgressions and sin, we cannot help but worship because this is the God of the universe who looks at us and doesn't see our sin. He forgives us for it because of his love. 
It is impossible not to worship in the presence of this God, a just God, a God that in his character of love sent his son to die for us so we can be washed of our sin and shame and guilt so that we can experience eternal life with him. This is the God that we come before and worship. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die so we can experience life. Now, Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. That is who we worship. And that is the God that is worthy of praise all day, every day, in every moment, in every breath. And we have to learn how to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to this God. And to present something means that we have to do something. We have to be willing to come before God in our whole body, in our whole being, spiritually, mentally, and physically. And this, honestly, this first section to present your bodies reminds me of the Shema in the Old Testament. The Shema is a unique prayer where the Jewish culture would wake up every morning and pray it. It's found in Deuteronomy 6. And the verse that this really reminds me of is Deuteronomy 6, 9. And it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That is worship. When we make a conscious decision to worship wherever we are at, mentally, physically, and spiritually, it is a choice to say, God, I give you my body. I give you my life. It is the sacrifice because of who you are. Now, I want to say, it says living sacrifice. Living, key word. That does not mean that you're like, cool, uh, I'm not even going to go there. Just living is the key word, got it? <laughs> what this means is we live a life for God. What it means is that the things that aren't acceptable or holy begin to die in us because we are so devoted to God. We keep going on and living, and yet our sin continues to die. This is beautiful, because our sin, we should die for it. But we don't die for our sin because Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. We are not. We are a living sacrifice, which means we have to make a choice to stay or leave. We are saved by the grace of God. But what will we do with this grace? What will we do with it? Will we honor and pursue God's will or our will? Because God calls us to be holy and acceptable, which means that we are set apart. And it's not about a set of rules. No one can ever live a perfect life. We will have hardships. We will have suffering. Based on scripture, that is one thing that I can tell you for sure. Jesus himself says, hey, you want to follow me? Cool, you're going to suffer. But based on scripture, I can also tell you that you are holy and you are acceptable. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. Because we chose to follow him. 
And we have to give up. And we have to sacrifice things out of love, obedience, and faith to that God. To know that his ways are higher than our ways. To sit before him in our life of mess and say, God, I present my body as a living sacrifice to you. Holy and acceptable because you made me that way. That is spiritual worship. To submit all that we are. To say your will, not my will, God. And when we can get to that point every single day, that is when we learn what spiritual worship is. We have to learn to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to the God of the universe. We have to learn to go... God, I come to you in reverence. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying for my sins. Holy Spirit, thank you for convicting me and guiding me and teaching me. When we truly begin to worship with our entire being, like these verses call us to, we should leave changed. We just experienced the presence of God. How can we not leave changed? If God's characteristics are steadfast love and mercy, grace, we should leave peaceful. We should leave joyful. We should leave in awe. We shouldn't leave this place and then treat our waiter at our restaurant like crap. We should leave this place and go, goodness gracious, we just experienced God and now we need to show who God is. And it's not just about Creekside or what you can experience here. It's also what you do in your homes. It's also what you do at your jobs. It's what you do in your neighborhoods. If this is the God we serve and if this is spiritual worship, if we get on our hands and knees and say, God, my life is yours, that is spiritual worship. And I love what Donald Whitney in his book on spiritual discipline says about worship. He says, every day, the strength Guidance, encouragement, forgiveness, joy, and all that God is awaits us. You will never live a day, Christians, without an invitation to grow in intimacy with Jesus Christ himself that day. This is what happens when we have spiritual worship. Mm. Because every day, every moment, we have a choice to either grow in intimacy with Jesus or walk away from him. So, when you worship, is it spiritual? When you worship, do you encounter Jesus? Do you encounter God? Do you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? Do you worship here in our services? Do you worship in your homes? Do you worship in your jobs? Do you worship during your hobbies? Are you even willing to worship God in those settings? Or maybe something's taking the place of God. Maybe there's something in your life that's keeping you from truly worshiping Him. After all, we are created to worship. Whether you believe in God or not, you are worshiping something. What is it? 
Is that something God or is it something else? Is that something preventing you from truly living as a sacrifice to God? Is that something, something that is not holy or acceptable, but in our fear, we don't think we can give it up? Is the voice of that thing louder than the voice of God? Is it worth even keeping that voice in your life? Or should you let it die so you can actually go on living? Because even though we know that in the Bible, God says that life is found in him, we continue to live for ourselves. Or maybe, just maybe, you're like me, and you read this verse about being holy and acceptable, and you go, God, I know my history. <laughs> There's no way I'm holy and acceptable. I know I've done things that aren't acceptable to you. I know I've done things that are not holy. And the crazy part about this thought, it is the very thought that is keeping us from coming to the person we need to worship, the person we can give that thought to, the only person that can take that thought and say, this is not true, here is truth. Because this statement is about the self rather than the who. And we need to see ourselves not as holy and acceptable but as imperfect humans, but through Jesus, through his love, through his blood, through his sacrifice, we are washed and we are made holy and acceptable to the God of the universe. This is why we worship, not because of what we've done, not because of who we are, but because of who he is, because he sent his son to die for us so we can feel freedom and acceptance from a father who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. is why we worship. We need to get to a point where we believe these words are true every single day, every single moment. And it wouldn't be a sermon on worship without a quote from A.W. Tozer. As you know, we've had one every week. A.W. Tozer says this, if you will not worship God seven days a week, you do not worship him on one day a week. And I believe what he means by that is when you truly get in the presence of God in worship, when you truly present yourself as a living sacrifice, <laughs> you crave it. You crave that peace. You crave that forgiveness. You crave that love of God. You run after it with all that you are, and you can't help but worship God seven days a week. You can't help but worship God at your jobs. You can't help but worship God in your homes. You can't help but worship him every single day, even when you're in traffic. That is the God we serve, not a God that we think we only worship one day a week. Because as followers of Jesus, we are called to present ourselves as living sacrifices, and we are holy and acceptable to God. That is spiritual worship, where we can do this every single day, every single moment. We walk as if we are a living sacrifice. However, the problem with being a living sacrifice 
is you can get off. You can step out of the presence of God. You can walk away. We must continually learn to come back to a state of worship where when we realize we got off the altar, we come back and say, Lord, mm -mm, I give you everything. Lord, I give you my family. Lord, I give you my church. Lord, I give you my neighborhoods. Lord, I give you my mental state. Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my body. And when we can do that, that is worship. It's not about the words. It's not about whether you're raising hands or on your knees. It's about surrender to who God is. That is worship. So what is stopping you from worshiping God? Maybe it's a a fear or an insecurity or your pride or time or maybe Just maybe it's a sin or a shame that you had spoken over your life that God's saying that shame and that sin is not true. What's true is you are my son. What's true is you are my daughter. I made you holy and acceptable. So what is it that is stopping us from worshiping? What is it that we need to come to the altar and give to God and say, God, I give you this because I just want to experience your presence. What is that thing that is stopping you from worshiping God? Is it worth it? Or do you need to let it die? So as we enter into a time of prayer, I want to invite the worship band back up. I want you to think about this question. With every head bowed and every eye closed, pray over this question. God, thank you that you are a God that is merciful. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God of forgiveness, a God of grace, a God that is long-suffering, that is slow to anger. God, I pray for all of us in here that we would know that it's not about what we do that makes us acceptable or holy, but it's about who you are. It's about the fact that we are your children. It doesn't matter what sin, shame, (laughs) insecurity that is stopping us from coming to you. You are a God that has your arms wide open saying, come to me, child. I want to hold you. Lord, I pray for everyone here that you will let them know what's stopping them from worshiping you. And Lord, I pray that they would let it die. Amen.